Hey, let's kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which is brought to you free every week from the folks at, well, where else? Geekinthecity.com. You can also watch us stream the show weekly every Tuesday on twitch.com forward slash geekinthecity at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. If you enjoy the show, you can also help us out over on patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity. Your support there helps us do more content and create more shows and overall make it a better experience for you, the best audience in the world. As always, always share the show and make some comments for us or give us a five-star rating on any of the platforms you enjoy listening to this show on. And with that, let's kick off this all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 663 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm your other host, Finarita. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's everything. Uh, uh, C- Cable is, uh, Corona, uh, COVID finally got him. It, uh, it stalked him at Rose City Comic Con. Happen, ha- happens to the best of us eventually, I guess. Yeah, I mean, considering that dude takes public transit almost everywhere up until recently, and he works in retail, that's a pretty good, that's a good run. The cable's also a diligent double double masker. Oh, yeah, still. It's a good run. Yeah. Uh, Proud of you, Cable. Yeah. Breast up. Yeah. Uh, I am still testing negative. Yeah, I'm I'm good. (laughs) I also yeah. only spent like an hour and a half at the con, so. Yeah, I wasn't there that long either. I think slim if you were to add up, slim. yeah, if you were to add up the whole weekend, including Friday, maybe five hours, like mm-hmm. total type things. Just breezing in and out like a star, huh? Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I had to be hurried and rushed to my next public engagement. To beat away the droves of fans. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's not at all what happened. Um, uh, well, do you want to tell us a little bit about your weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was good. Um, so I had a signing at the Oni booth on Saturday. I think it was from like one to two. Um, and it wasn't like it wasn't in the program or anything like that. This is something we just kind of came up with you know, a few days before. Um, in fact, I didn't even, thankfully Oni was able to get me a, an exhibitor pass uh, because I did not have a pass to Rose City Comic Con. Uh, I mm-hmm. didn't buy one and wasn't invited either. So, <laughs> which I know sounds like I'm really full of myself, but. Um, when your comic is on the premium badge. I feel like you should be invited. Yeah. So about that, how much tea should I spill? All of it. <laughs> Burn it uh, all down. No, so, I don't know. Whatever you're comfortable with. Um, uh, you know what? Screw it. It's not like I'm friends with anyone who runs Rose City Comic Con anymore, and I've yeah, not no, like hidden. Yeah, and I've not hidden my thoughts on. Uh, left-hand media. So, hey, why not? Um, no, basically, so, as I was told by various groups, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to name any names here because they could be mistaken as well, which means I may be something that is saying something that is untrue, unintentionally. But as I was told, I found out on Sunday uh, while doing my second signing with Oni, was that, yeah, so all the badges at Rose City this year had Oni book covers. 
Um, so every single badge, whether it was a kid's badge, the premiere, VIP, all of them, they all had a different Oni book depending on what badge it was. And I had found out that allegedly every single creator connected to the book on that badge or whatever was to be extended an invite to be a guest and given a, and been able to have a panel. Um, That would include you. That would have included me. Uh, I have since learned that almost none of them were invited. And none of them had panels. Or got or, so not invited, uh, not on a no, no panels, um, right? And so the only reason you ended up going is because Oni brought you in. Otherwise, Oni if lo- you had wanted to be there, you would have had to buy a badge or or buy yep. a table. Yes, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and I only got there because Oni just had a certain amount of um, uh, exhibitor badges because they had a pretty big booth there. So that's the only reason why I got to go and do my own signing and get, and get in. Um, so, yeah. Um, and also, I got to be careful because, like, it's still the hometown show and I want it to do well. And I guess I think that's why I have these critiques because. And this isn't me saying, like, things are always better before. I felt like the show was ran better before Left Hand Media took it over completely. Well, and and you and Cable both have different perspectives on the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I don't necessarily want to put words in Cable's mouth, and he's not here, but uh, I believe his words were dropped the fucking ball left and right. and so you you know you you see it from this you know like creator's perspective and the things that like I don't want not like recognition that you didn't get but yeah I mean there are things that you were supposed to have gotten and and you didn't and correct this is this book has been huge for for Oni and just in general for comics uh, yeah it's done all really year well long, and it's kind of insane to me that one of the best-selling books by a local creator isn't being more prominently featured at the local con, the biggest local con we have. Yeah, and no, I agree. And I really don't want this to be like, oh, Aaron's butt hurt because he didn't. That's like, that's not it. There's a lot of creators I know that should have received a guest invite and and didn't, um, or at least should have had the opportunity to receive an invite and did not receive one. So it's very odd. Um. Yeah, and some of the other things I noticed, I don't know how well artist alley tables or or vendors performed financially. Um, I've never run a exhibition table like with a business business, so I mean, I don't know what's considered a good weekend for them. Is it worth their money? Um, I do know, speaking personally to really make any kind of decent money in artist alley, you, um, you kind of got to be a half carnival barker. Like if you just sit behind your table and play on your phone or sketch or write and like never look up, no one's going to stop and, and, and engage with you other than people who really already know you and they are going to swing by and say hi anyway. So the onus is very much on the creator. Sometimes those in artist alley, to have a decent show. Um, one thing I've also noticed, though, and this is a Portland thing. Um, Portlanders are very odd about what they spend on at conventions. And it, like it, it's hard to explain. I wonder if part of it is that we have so many great comic book shops and community events geared towards the arts in Portland mm-hmm. that when you go to a major convention and you see it all there, there's also a thought of like, well, I'll see them next week when they're having something at the shop that I get my comics from. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a lot of that. And I have ran into that before too, but I heard from some vendors that are like, we do okay at Rose city comic con. It's not our best performing show. They're like, that's 
that's Emerald City, that's WonderCon. There's there's other West Coast shows that they make more money mm-hmm. at. Um, like I spoke to the folks at Volante when I was in San Diego. Um, and I think they had mentioned that they were going to do Emerald City this year, but they're like, and I said, oh, you, I remember running in you guys in Portland a couple years ago. And he was, he was pretty hard. He was, um, um, he's pretty honest. He says, yeah, we won't do that show again. We lost money. It's not worth Oof. going. Ouch. Um, yeah. Cable said lack of scarcity does something weird to artist alley. Mm, which is a bummer. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't spend as much time in artist alley as I do like in the general merch area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like in particular, I was hoping to find a couple different cosplay pieces uh, while I was roaming the floor. Um, the one thing that I was about to buy, um, the booth was so busy. I like I picked it up and I was like, okay, how do I, like, who can I interact with to, to ask my questions about this item and mm-hmm. pay for it? And there was no one. They were all otherwise engaged and there was just like a gaggle of people like, <laughs> Right. So I'm like, I'm just going to stand here forever. Um, and so I'm like, eventually I just put it back and walked away. <laughs> and as I was wandering somewhere else, uh, I walked up to a booth that seemed identical. And I look up and I'm like, pretty sure that's the same name. I asked, do you guys have two booths here this weekend? They said, we have three. Uh, was it the dice people? Uh, it was the, dice and like horn. Uh, like yeah, like Misty. And they were like Misty Mountain. And stuff. Something they were like something that. mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. noticed that too. Uh, cool same vendor. The... Why did they need three? I, I mean, the only thing I could think of is that because of COVID or what have you, a lot of vendors canceled and these places were like, hey, we'll kick you some more extra bucks to just fill that spot. I think. Maybe not. Maybe. But it seemed like there was a lot of, that, that was not the only example of like repetitive, if not the same company very repetitive on the the products. And yeah. Like, I can only um, really walk by so many, you know, Doctor Who patterned fabric oven mitts. Right. And that, that brings me to something that I think a lot of shows need to do this if they don't. Some do it. And you'll get sometimes um, comments that this can lead to elitism and, and favoritism and other problematic issues. Yeah, Cable mentioned the Fudge people had two booths. Yes, they did. Um, I think, um, yeah, Bex just said my local comic shop gave up their tables. So this was a rough wow. year for some people coming back. Um, but I think something that could benefit Rose City greatly, and you'll get pushback from it a little bit, is I think there needs to be a better job vetting people who want to be an artist alley and businesses. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just for um, content wise. I remember a few years ago, there was a, there was an anime slash manga vendor there who I know was not going to be welcome back. Cause it was clearly, it was clearly just porn. It was just hentai and mm-hmm. things of, it's a, it's a kid friendly event. They literally had a sheet up with a with a with a sign, handwritten sign with a safety pin through it saying 18 and over only and you could go into the sheet and see. I was like and they were like two lanes over from like the Rose City Kids section and I'm like, "Oh, oh okay." Wow. Yeah, a lot of like naked manga girls body pillows where they just put electrical tape over nipples and crotch regions. I saw some of those too. Yeah. The ones that needed to be taped over, but I'm like, That's, I don't know that this is the place where you should sell your waifu pillows. I'm sorry. Yeah, go to WasabiCon, um, where you where you know your audience is at. Um, that also sounded very elitist of me, but it, it, but I mean, I, and it's I don't think it's hard to do necessarily. Um, Comic Con is a little bit different because it's a mix of like comic book vendors, pop culture toys a lot of stuff that you can find on Etsy, you know, it's, it's all of those different categories. Um, right. But I feel like that means that there should be less repetitiveness and more diversity because you're pulling from a wider variety of different types of stuff makers and sellers. Yeah. And that's, uh, 
And I think that's what I feel by vetting. I think right now, left-hand media is just taking whoever gets the money in first. Crafty Wonderland doesn't have a problem with that. Like you got one guy who who makes shrinky dink earrings. That's it. No more shrinky dink earring persons in in the event. Yeah, and and that's what I mean by curate. I think you should. This is something Stumptown used to do when you applied for a table. Um, you had to provide and show what your content was, because also. I feel like that should be standard. Yeah, but it's for not. Any, any for A, we want to make sure you want to make sure that you're showing casing people that have a decent body of work or have work that's of a quality that's going to attract attendees. And again, art is very subjective. And what one person sees as very well done, someone else can see as like, I don't get it. This is dumb. So you have to have a variety of people on your staff or on your group in the vetting process. You just have to. Otherwise, you're just going to be catering to one person's taste. Uh, okay, cable set because Slumtown actually had curating managers, or yeah, managing curators, which um, is what, yeah, which is what I think a show like Rose City could needs to have. Because, like, look, right. I don't want to knock anyone's attempt to make some kind of income through art or their creations, but like, I don't need to see any more postcards with kittens with kitten art <laughs> i know people love cats people love kittens but like 10 percent of artist alley were, were were kittens but like one had loki's helmet one had doctor who's tie one had you know a sword from game of Thrones. it was it's that same thing of like we're gonna take a pop culture thing and i'm gonna draw a little chibi kitten with it too and Okay, right. have one of that. Pick the best one who p- submits their application. Like, all right, mm-hmm. you're you, madam or sir or whatever, guy, gal, non-binary pal. You are a kitty person. Congratulations, you're the only one. That's it. No more. That's no it. more cat people. No more cat people. And maybe you're like, well, I don't do kittens, but I do like, you know, I do tigers and lions and leopards. We're like, all right, we'll look at yours oh, too. My. Yeah, all right, we'll see yours too. Let's see. Um. I um I saw on the map that at one time they had a legitimate like crafty makers corner. And I actually like that at a pop culture show or at a Comic-Con. Well, but yeah, it because didn't... there's cosplay and like miniatures are really in, so making sounds like a great idea. Yeah, but they had the sign up even in the in the convention center but they were scattered throughout Artist Alley. And it's just... Mm. Making any kind of income in Artist Alley is not easy. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's not your hometown show. You are paying... Unless you're super lucky and you know someone who you can couch surf with, you're you're paying to get there. You're paying for your table. You're apparently paying for liability insurance now, which seems really sketchy to me. There's a good chance you are paying for parking. And if you don't know someone to couch surf, you're paying for a place to stay. You're paying for three meals a day. Like you are dropping a ton of money. So the deck's already stacked against you to make any kind of return on Artist Alley. And And then if the event is going to throw like the cost of event insurance onto the artists and creators, that's just like one more fucking drop in the bucket. Yeah. And Cable's mentioned this before. Like he just said, I'm tilting at windmills. America needs to change how it does comic book and book conventions. Cause right now they're ran like trade shows mm-hmm. and we need to follow the model that is done like in Europe and in parts of Asia where they're more like a week long festival and they're all throughout the city. Um, And part of that's always going to go back to the fact that America doesn't see, as a rule, American society does not see comics as an art form. It's disposable pop culture trash. So we get dingy lit trade shows, you know. Um, But yeah, I I heard a few complaints from people just overhearing, or I just asked people that I kind of know, like, 
how's your con experience been this year? And they're like, you know, it's fine. Um, there was apparently many issues with dealing with crowds and lines. Cause I actually noticed a lot of staff outside the convention and in the, like the lobby area. Mm-hmm. I think I maybe saw three on the convention floor itself. Um, I didn't hear of any creator who was checked on to see, do you need some water? Do you want to use the bathroom? I can sit at your table because if you're the only person at your own table and you got all your stuff there mm-hmm. and you just really got to go, it's like, okay, either I hold it for nine hours or I risk someone just snagging something off my table right. or hope that the person next to me is cool enough to keep an eye on it. Didn't That's what staff should do is be like, again, I will- they used to have volunteers specifically for that type of help. They did. I don't know the thing around that. I do believe, though, Oregon has made it to where since these shows are for-profit entities, they cannot have volunteers, which mm-hmm. I agree with. Yeah. Um, but if the end result is, okay, then there will be no one to help people. That's bad. Six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. I saw that crowd control around panels and main stages was not done very well. I talked to one person who paid the exorbitant amount of money for the VIP pass for like signatures or to get in to see, I think this one was specifically, she was on the VIP list to get in quicker and up front to see Jim Lee. The fast pass. Yeah. Basically the fast pass, the VIP fast pass. Uh, they and actually she was, called it that. Did they? Yeah. Um, Cause I was looking at, uh, at badge prices a couple, like the night before or something. Right. Yeah. Fast pass. Yeah. Um, she wasn't let in. She was made to wait in line. And she's like, and I watched just regular attendees just stroll past staff members and go into the room and they didn't stop them. And when she said, why are you not stopping them? The answer she got was, well, my job is to take care of this line. She's like, but there's people getting in. And she's like, I, I don't know what to tell you. You just have to wait in this line until we're allowed to let the VIPs in. So you paid for nothing. You've paid for nothing, yes. And I guess they have something called the Rose Club this year. I don't know what that I was. Saw, yeah, I, don't, I didn't look into what that meant or what it provides. Um, yeah. That also brings me back to how shows can help people in Artist Alley. And yeah, even vendors have a better show. Um, Stop charging so goddamn much for tickets. I believe a Sunday pass was seventy dollars. Um, I think the Sunday was fifty. I know the Saturday was sixty. That's too much. I I, I get the argument of like, well, that's how they make their money. Um, I don't. There's got to be a better way for them to. Um, make find make make money at these things. Um, it's just too much. It's just too much money. It is. Um, and to a point, I guess I understand making having three day badges, one badge per day, a kids badge. Um. And I don't know, maybe like one type of VIP that gets you in. Here's the thing. I would never want to show up an hour early to the show because I guarantee every single person at their vendor booth, at their artist alley, if they're even there, are grumpy and tired because they had to show up an hour early. So it means they had to show up two hours probably before you were let in. Right. No artist, no, I can't think of a single vendor or person who tables that likes the hour early or the stay an hour later just for you. Just the standard hours of tabling a con for three days is fucking exhausting. And yeah. That's, and that's eat the, that's without like having shit to look, haul in and haul out every day. Right. I mean, I know people try to avoid that, but it's just, just they're long ass days, constant interacting with other humans. That shit's, I'm like tired just thinking about it. I haven't like booth assisted in a couple years now, more than a couple. Right. But I'm I, I still remember just how fucking draining it is. 
it's, yeah. it's fun, sure, but it's also just a lot. It's work. Um, yeah, again, Cable said, logistically, there was just a lack of oversight by show management. I'm yeah, and I'm not saying this to like rip on the people who were there. I'm sure they were doing the best with what they were given. Um, as always, this is a metro thing. The food choices at the convention center are atrocious. Um, but that's a convention center thing. They're just yeah. they're just bad. Um, they're just bad. They're just awful. Um, well, but they put cool signs over the the vendors uh, yeah <laughs> like the food yeah yeah they gave them like you know fantasy rpg style signs over the normal signs yeah I mean, and, they always look like that i don't know but it seemed and, like it was con specific right and i know that like this is me just splitting hairs now and stuff but like first time i ever saw beer served at a convention was at the denver comic-con which made sense because denver is the second biggest beer city after portland mm-hmm but the people who put on that Denver show, they approach months and months in advance these breweries and said, would you like to make us like one-offs just for this? And they all do it. I got nothing against Nincasi, but for four years now, you have poured the same damn beer. Your, <laughs> lager, your lager and Tricera hops. Like, just if you're going to be excited about being the only beer person, then like, at least pretend to do something specific for the show. Make it just make it a reason to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, Rose City Comic Con, and this is shitty to say, feels like a wizard show now. It mm-hmm. feels like Laptime Media is like, there is money to be made. We don't care how we make it. Um, and, and that's it. And it's, I feel like it's a massive upper management issue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's already going to be issues with conventions in Portland. The convention center is fine, but it's got fuck all for parking. There's what, two hotels near it? And they're both small. There's, there's more, but they're all quite small. Yeah, they're all small. And boy, am I glad we have like a concrete park across the, at the convention center that is like unusable space. Like, no, I get you want to decrease. Yeah, no. Like, why is that still there? What is the point of that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, no, yeah, I made the mistake of, well, I mean, I didn't really have a choice, but when I, the day that I did go, I didn't go until noon and I didn't go in until one because I spent all this time just trying to find a place to park and then getting stuck between people who are just taking their sweet time about finding places to park yeah um yeah if, you, if you're if you're boasting you know tens of thousands of attendees you should have parking for tens of thousands of attendees. right that doesn't cost an arm and a leg no. um yeah i forgot cable mentioned guardian oh. games is an official sponsor they're not listed on the program anywhere yeah that's um yeah, I, I but don't I'm trying know to how, ma- uh, yeah, just like logistically, I'm disappointed. Yeah, and say like you, you're a parent or whatever, or a guardian, you've got two kids, and they're not old enough for them to really go by themselves yet, or you'd rather not. Um, even if you're just all going for a Saturday, you're just to get in the building, you're dropping... 240 bucks seven times three so 70 times three um and yes they have a kids they have kids prices but i have been to shows that do this and i think it's better i think 12 and under should be free so if the parents are because i figure like when you're like 13 or more you can be dropped off at a show Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i see it but 12 and under say you've got Whatever, yeah, you've got three kids, and they're all whatever. They're, I don't know, they're they're eleven, nine, and seven, all old enough that they love pop culture. They're gonna mm-hmm. love their superheroes or whatever. Um, and they're gonna want to go to this. Well, you're now paying for these three kid prices plus yourself to get in. You should probably just only be available. You should probably only have to pay for yourself. That, that's it. 
under 12, you get in free. Um, Because what ends up happening is the family pays for for the badges and they go, but then they don't spend any money inside the con. Yeah. I feel like we talk about that every year. Every single time we have, yeah. Yeah. Um, There were great things that happened after the show, but as Cable said, none of it to do with left-hand media. I'm not super impressed with them. Yeah. Um, I... From my experience this last weekend, and again, I had a good time for what I was there to do. I really did. Met some great readers, made new readers. That was so much fun. Um, and But looking at it now, if a friend of mine who was in the industry was like, hey, Aaron, what do you think about me tabling in Rose City? And they would have to fly out here, get a room, pay for meals, all that. I don't think I could recommend this show anymore. It used to be I could, like, hands down. Like, you'll do great. You'll get to meet all these other comic people. You're in Comics Town. Go for it. But now I'm like, all right, let me set your expectations, though, because it's ran differently now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cable is like, uh, it should be 18 and under because teenagers would spend money if they also got in for free. Uh, that's probably a harder sell, though, to you know the the company who owns the, the convention at all because that's money that they're not getting. That's money that the artists and vendors are getting. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, any of these things that are for-profit ventures, um, the viability of the artists is not even second thought. It's fourth or fifth thought. I actually filled out their post-modem resume, um, questionnaire they sent out. Oh, yeah? And literally one of the questions was, do you think it's important for us to feature comics at Rose City Comic Con next year? It's like, dude, my dude, you just said the inside voice outside. You just said it out loud. You don't it, actually care for the industry. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're planning to not do that. Yeah. And if you want to just throw a pop culture convention, all right, fine. fine. But don't. Yeah. Um, it, it needs a cleanup from the top down is, is my thoughts. Um. Yeah. Um, so left hand, I keep saying left hand. It's not it. Left field. Left hand is a brewery. God, geez. I Sorry. It was left hand. Well, well, their website is left field. It's left field. I think everyone just says left hand for some reason. <laughs> okay. So they do four shows total. They do two anime conventions, Rose City Comic Con, and they do Awesome Con. Um, I have had people that have tabled and been guests at Awesome Con, and they're like, it's a straight up cash grab. It's no, a celebrity, no. it's a celebrity packed cash grab. No, Aaron, it says we're in the business of delivering one of a kind. Oh my God, this is the best day of my life events for people. And it's just, it's so weird for me to not be excited about my hometown show anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I told you, I hadn't even really thought about going until the last minute. It just didn't occur to me. And I get emails from from them all the time. I was just like, I don't know. You're not really showing me anything that I'm excited about. Right. Uh, oh, I did find out that uh, the Chris Waffle Explosion uh, did the Saturday night's uh, concert. But yeah. I found out from them at the event partway through the day. I had no idea that there was like no, they didn't market any of the like special stuff. Um, I know they had a costume contest, but. They did it. Yeah, they had something called like. Pro comic, they had a pro thing. No idea what that was. Uh, they had, yeah, just no idea. Um, yeah, it's 
like Kayla said, like our, our, it's our hometown show, but it has been sold to a bigger out of state company. And now it's, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be the same anymore. It doesn't, yeah. it's not really, it doesn't really feel like a hometown show. It, it could, it might as well be just any traveling show. Yeah. It feels like a wizard show now. And at least with wizards, you know exactly what you're getting. You know, there's no, there's no putting on airs that we are the hometown show. I mean, <laughs> like at this rate, boy, this is going to get me hate mail. At this rate, I actually would be fine if Reed Pop was like, you know what? We do want to buy Rose City Comic Con. Like, All right. You might also be horrible money grabbers, but at least you are competent at it and know how to put on a show. Mm. Um, boy, I'm just... Those of you who remember the old Rick Emerson show, it's like Captain Flamehands <laughs> is back, man. Well, I know but, that I know that Cable isn't here, but he is, you know, piping in from the sidelines. But yeah. you and Cable both have actual experience putting on a convention that people cared about. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Bex, who is not in the industry or doesn't have experience, is you know, also has like a lot of feedback. The only ads for Rose City uh, I kept seeing were Jim Lee and the book fair thing. I don't even know about the book fair thing. I think the book fair thing was cool, but then it was not supported on the convention floor. It was, it was like a, it was for like prose authors. Emerald city does that has been doing it for a while, but it was this, like this sad little square that they put them up in, in the middle at one end of the convention center. And there was mm -hmm. no one there. Um, yeah, the only yeah, Bex is right. I saw an ad for Jim Lee. Um, sometimes Elijah Wood and Sean Astin. That was it. I didn't see them highlight any of their local guests, like none of them. Well, and there's a whole list of them that didn't get invited. Yep, that is also true. So. <laughs> Uh, Norm says, uh, just call it Rose City Pop Culture Convention, but I read uh, Rose City Pop Vulture. Yeah, that's not wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm wondering if I'll get some nasty email later or some message on LinkedIn being like, you completely misrepresented us, whatever. No, I think I think that between you, me, Cable who, you know, all had different experiences and listeners. It, the consensus is it was a disappointing show. Yeah. And it wasn't disappointing in that, oh, COVID restrictions have just, it wasn't disappointing in that people were nervous and didn't want to be, that wasn't it. People were pumped to be there. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, kind of everyone I ran into afterwards, there was always that feeling of like, yeah, something was off. I'm like, yeah, something was off. No, yeah, it was, it was, it felt as full as any pre-pandemic show I've ever attended. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's my thoughts on Rose City. I I hope it's better next year. I really do. Um, this town really does deserve like a really good show. But I would like to see a Portland show try the European model, like give it a shot and understand that it's going to lose money for a couple of years. Cause anything brand new just does like make it nonprofit. Um, and model it after like stuff that they do in Europe. Uh, some of those shows and you get art galleries involved and libraries and school and colleges and schools involved. You know, you make it a celebration of the comics art form, not, a trade show. You can still have that to an extent, but cable says it won't be the show we want doesn't exist yet. And, um, you know, exactly what I'm thinking. Cable. I have a, I have a very specific response to that statement, but you don't want to hear it. Oh, I probably don't either then. No, probably not. Is it put it on then? Maybe not like yeah. that. I would say it like that. Don't have the bandwidth for it anymore. No, none of us do. None of us do. Uh, although, would that we could. If we if we didn't have these, you know, full-time jobs and, and other things, 
required of us, we could totally put on a good show. Yeah, if I could, the, we know what the people want. Well, yeah, if I could, if I could survive and spend an entire year getting a show ready, yeah, I'd go for it and I'd try something different. Um, yeah, but that's just. Yeah, okay, I'm not starting a god. Yeah, okay, I'm with cable. We've both we have lived that life. <laughs> you know, I run into our friend uh, Indigo sometimes, and he'll be like, "You know, I sometimes I feel that itch to bring back Stumptown." I'll look at him Don't and be like, do Re- it. "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah," but then it passes. I'm like, "Yeah, here we go." <laughs> it's hard and it's selfless. I was about to say, and then when you're done, some jackass gets on a podcast and rips you a new one. <laughs> um. No, no, we are not. Um, when we are when we give this negative feedback, we're not talking about local people who spend no. a year putting on a local con, you know, with like no budget and you know doing it at the double tree. Mm. We're not. We're not talking to those people. Yeah, and you know we, what? We went to Indie Comic Con at the Double Tree in 2019, and that was a great event. Was yeah, it tiny? It had, yes, but it was yeah. still good. It had some issues, but it was brand new. Look, I'm they, never they gonna... get the they get the the buy of being. Oh, this is your first year, so was it perfect? No, I didn't expect it to be. That here's the thing: I am never gonna rip on anything, whether it be a, a show, a movie, a book, or a convention. I'm never gonna rip on someone who swings for the fences but missed. I will rip on a show that swings for mediocrity and still misses. Yeah, because it was just, it, they're just doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, Whereas someone like Cable, if he had that kind of money, would bankroll a comic show, but let the kids do it. Yeah, that's fine. Not all the kids. Some of them are little shit apples, too. Just being not younger like, doesn't give you a like pass. Small, not like small children. No, I know you what know. you mean. I know. People under 30. Mm-hmm. So there it is. I guess that's my Rose City recap. But it was great to run into people that I did meet. Um, Hadal, I'm sorry if I don't mention your name. As Denise knows, I am awful at remembering names. Even when I do remember them, I usually say them incorrectly. Um, <laughs> but a lot of them brought me fun little gifts. Like CGC graded copies of Season of the Bruja. That was like, yeah. like literally kind of, t- I was like, what? Which is just kind of, it's just neat. It's neat. And that then I believe, uh, I think his name is Peter. I remember him because he's been a listener a long time. And he does amazing lightsaber videos. He got me a Black Phillip vote, uh, like whatever, Catholic candle. What are those called? The tall ones? Uh, I don't. I don't actually know what they're. What, they're not votives because votives are the tiny yeah, ones, right? Are little guys, the little teacups. Um, Ernie, cable. My Ernie brought me the CGC comics. Thank you, Ernie. That was super cool. I got to find where to put them. Thanks, Ernie. That was righteous. Um, no, yeah. not a votive. What the fuck are they called? It doesn't matter. I just call them the Catholic candles. You all know the tall, <laughs> the tall ones. Oh, it's driving me nuts, though. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, oh, I will also share uh, a an excellent thing that I enjoyed at the show. It was hanging out at the Guardian Games booth and learning how to play a new game that I'd never heard of or played before. Yeah, I saw you playing something. Yeah. Now I'm going to forget what it's called. Maybe uh, maybe Cable can save me on that one, too. Um but it's it's an, apparently it's a remake of an older s- version. It used to be like manufactured differently than it is now, but it's it's the same concept where you're um, you're betting on horses or buying horses and trade long shot. It was called long shot, and the board is a track, and you've got your little horses, your little uh, indicators, and you roll dice to see which horse advances how far. And, you know, by that way, some, if not all of the horses make it all the way around a track. So then there's like a first, second and third place winner. And you win money if you bet on the right horse and you win money if you own the horse that wins. Right. 
it's it was actually kind of complicated and between that and my ADHD and like just like the, the din of humanity uh I really struggled to remember I'm like okay wait so what does it mean if I if I if I pick this guy's helmet and what is it how do I what happens when I do this and you know but it was still a very fun and interesting game that's cool yeah guardian games yes I'm sponsored. And th- and this is not a spot for them. I legitimately had a good time doing it. Oh, it could be. Let's just make it the spot. That's fine. Three, four, five, Southeast Taylor Street. Woo! We did it. Yeah. Where they got to like talk about role playing games with um with Stamets himself. Yes. That was super cool. I'm like, damn it! I was there for I was in front of their booth for so long, and apparently I still missed out. Yeah, I was. I apparently just missed Anthony Rapp. Um, oh man, that would have been so. I, I he posted and like thanked. We thanked the gaming community and Guardian Games because apparently he was like, um, you know, he just talked about gaming, talked about role playing and how important it is and stuff. And I was like, that guy's the real thing. He seems very nice. Um, he's one of the celebrities. If I'd have, if I'd have planned it out better, I probably would have tried to find a way to meet him and Wilson Cruz. That would have been cool. Discovery Was Wilson Cruz there too? Yeah, but again, they didn't do a very good job promoting anyone that wasn't Jim Lee or Elijah Wood. Um, no hate on Elijah Wood, uh, but I would I would have been much more interested in Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz. Yeah, I know. Yeah, nothing against Elijah Wood. I don't mean that at all. Um, yeah, there were a lot of guests that I like saw that I didn't even know they were there until I saw on Facebook friends posting their photos with them at Rose City. Um, I guess the cool thing that happened is um, Esposito, when the show was kind of, when he was kind of done for the day and the weekend, mm-hmm. he started to walk in the con floor. Nice. So my friend, uh, Peter, the guy who brought me the candle, he's got a picture of him in his his lightsaber dueling gear, like crossing blades with the darksaber with him. He's like, oh, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, he just walks the floor when he's done. Says hi. Awesome. And yes, Cable's going to see about an interview for Anthony Rapp on this show. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be very cool. Ooh. Okay. I couldn't rest until I looked it up. The The Catholic candles are called veladoras. Called what? Veladoras. Oh, okay. All right, then. It's totally off topic at this point, but it was just driving me nuts, and I finally found the answer. I get it. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're not going to have, like, the longest show tonight either, so do you want to just kind of wrap, roll into some of the other... um... Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's move it along. So let's go to Lovecraft first, since that's our local show that is done well. Yeah! (laughs) And does get a lot of promotions. Uh, they announced some of their guests today, uh, today for this year, the 22 Festival, and their featured guest is the head of the Andorian Mining Consortium himself, Jeffrey Coombs. <laughs> that's super that cool. Is, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, we definitely got to see if we can get him on the show before. I was going to say, like, do you think Gwen and Brian can hook us up with an interview? Uh, totally going to ask. Might go for it. Um. Yeah, I've never uh, I've never met him in public before. I've missed I've always missed the chance to meet him. Um, so that'd be kind of cool to see, you know. Excited for that. So we're gonna start seeing more and more news about Lovecraft coming up here in the next coming weeks. So get get ready uh, for it. What's funny is I wouldn't. Um, I, I, I you know I just don't, don't think of him as a as a horror a prominent horror actor. I mean I know mm-hmm. he did the Frighteners and that's a fucking masterful performance um yeah but still i think of him more as a star trek guy oh sure a horror guy mm-hmm. yeah um he's got a creepy creepy part in house on haunted hill he plays the doctor the dead ghost doctor um oh man i i, I haven't seen that movie since it came out and also i didn't like it I like it up until the last. I like it until the last twenty minutes, and it is yes. cheesy. Yes, exactly. The ending ruins it. The CGI monster, so bad, so bad. I was like, can it just be 
ghosts and the house that kills you. I don't need the combined souls of the of the murdered. Yeah, whatever. And one of them is a naked lady ghost, so you see CGI ghost boob. <laughs> I only laugh at that because on the DVD it has some of the behind the scenes. And they're literally like, they're talking to some of the guys that do the digital CGI work and they're prepping that scene. And it's literally like it's freeze framed on like that image with this ghost woman kind of like, oh, coming out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the effects guy is like, he's like, so here's, we have to put these textures in here. And he's like, oh, see, we like, we had to get a good looking boob for this shot, even though it's really quick. I'm like, all right, great. Um, yeah. Yeah, just turn uh, it off cable- the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, cable says he loves Reanimator so much, and I've actually never seen it. Am I missing out? Yeah, it's fucked up. Reanimator's great. Um, and also, I'll get you a copy of it because to find a copy of it now is expensive if you can find it. Jeffy Coombs read all of Herbert West Reanimator, the, the story as it appeared, I think, in six parts in a pulp magazine way back in the day. He does a dramatic reading of it, and it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, he also plays. He's also then in the uh, the movie Reanimator. Um, that is very good. It also has a very awkward scene. Okay. It is just collectively known as the head giving head scene, and I will leave it at that. Uh, oh God! Now I'm like, what yeah. does that mean? Let me visually figure out what that means in my mind. Okay. Uh, other uh, other special guests of the HP Lovecraft Film Festival include <laughs> uh, mm. Cody Goodfellow, mm-hmm. who I'm sorry to say I'm not particularly familiar with. Um, well, they get a lot of authors, and unless you were like neck deep into Lovecraft mythos, which, as we know, I'm not. Yeah, and it's not a dig on him, like that. You're not going to know him as much, you know. But right. you know, Andrew Lehman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been going there. He's familiar, but, um, uh, maybe just from other uh, previous shows. Yeah. You've seen him before. We even talked to him a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Lehman, his group started off as like a, uh, Call of Cthulhu RPG group and they just kept growing and growing and growing into making film, theatrical presentations, props, music. They just went for it. So co-produced the whisper in the darkness that rings a bell which you did like it was that black and white universal style movie excellent like, yes i yeah. extremely enjoyed that film yeah yep so yeah um and there was some trek news because it was trek day <laughs> just a few days ago on the 8th i believe yeah it wasn't like it was fun. I had it playing in the background. It wasn't like I, I didn't expect to learn anything new. Like it wasn't like I thought there was going to be a, a new show announced that no one had known about Heard yet. Like yet. yeah, like I knew they weren't going to be like, uh, and here's section thirty one surprise. Like no, they're not. But we got to see like a better a new teaser for Picard season three. You know, looks cool. I'm excited. Uh, we know sometime in Discovery season five. Um, the captain gets to drive around in a badass looking like Mad Max motorcycle for some reason. So yeah, that's cool. Um, really nice tributes to Nichelle Nichols that made me cry every single time someone said something about it. Oh, that's right. We're burying the lead. Uh, thanks, Cable. Carol Kane is going to be I, on Strange New Worlds. I wasn't burying the lead. I was saving <laughs> the best for last. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's crazy cool. I love yeah. her. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then the yeah, Con 3 episode podcast. That just feels like they weren't going to give Nicholas Meyer money for the show they promised him. They're like, you know what? We're not doing this. And they're like, we'll give you money to do this. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I'll listen to it. I mean, why wouldn't I listen to it? It'd be fun. Um, but yeah, Carol Kane, is the, that's the one everyone went, what? So the the I her picture that has been circulating around the internet and mm-hmm. she looks amazing. Yeah, she looks great. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped for that. I'm also like really into this. Let's keep bringing comedians onto onto Star Trek. It does work really well for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Um, I do like, I like the hosting. Um, it's funny. Like it never, so this is like the third Star Trek day they've done where it's like live streaming. And there are always like weird hiccups and jokes and bits that just don't land. Like they had Brian Posehn on do like five minutes and he's nervous. He's on stage shaking with his notes because he's such a big Trek fan. I had no idea. And he has some voice parts in Lower Decks. He's a huge Trek fan, but he also knows the kind of stand-up he does. The people in the audience for Star Trek Day, they don't want to hear it. And he kind of knows that. So he's trying to do these like Trek-themed stand-up bits. And even he knows. He's like, guys, this is going to bomb. I'm just telling you now. It's not very good. I'm happy they invited me, but I don't know what I'm doing here. You know? Aww. So there's a lot of that on Star Trek Day. But in a weird way, it makes it feel more authentic than like D23, which streamed like two days later. Very polished. Like That's exactly the word I was going to use. Yeah. So like Star Trek Day always looks like, yeah, it's a big corporation, CBS, Paramount, whatever. But it still looks like something that is being put on by people who aren't even the professional actors. You know, Toddy Newsom and Paulus Tompkins. They're they're professional. They make a living acting. Mm-hmm. But but even they, there it's a difference between acting and being a polished presenter of a live stream for a corporation. Right. And they well, had bits. And- they just had bits that didn't work, and that was okay. Well, and they probably didn't write those bits, and you know, the network does not have a a long or a good history of supporting this show, and so now they're like trying to like roll out this red carpet of you know like celebrating Star Trek and giving it a day of of things and like turning it into a whole to do, but they're not really very practiced at it. Yeah, uh, as opposed to the D twenty three stuff, where that is heavily polished. By a well-oiled corporate machine. Yeah, who have got almost damn near, a, I mean, damn near 100 years. If you if you start to consider the beginning of Disney as this empire from when, when Walt started doing shit, I think next year is the 100th anniversary. Mm. You know, but as a corporation as we know it, yes, yeah, so there's 70 years of practice. They've had bad years and whatnot. Um, but they 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 put a lot of money into how they present themselves. They they focused on that for a really long time. Yeah, and it shows. And I'm it's not making it as a dig. But it shows. Like I will say, they showed the new trailer for Willow, and I was pretty pumped for that show to begin with. And I'm really interested in it now. It looks quite good. Oh, I have to check that out. I didn't realize it was out already. Oh, if you just do d23.com. Uh. Unlike Star Trek Day, where they force you to watch every streaming video, on the D23 one, you can read a quick synopsis and then watch what they know you're here to watch, which are trailers and teasers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Doubling back to Star Trek real quick, uh, Cable says that like every time Tony Newsome went off script, those were the best bits, uh, and it happened a lot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't think there were any big surprises with D23 either. We got to see more of stuff we knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big thing, I think the thing that got people super pumped. Well, first, the Werewolf by Night trailer looks fantastic. Um, it looks like it's going to be all in. I hope it's still going to all be in black and white. And it looks like it's being shot like a 60s, like, cheap matinee, like, Hold on to your loved ones tight because Werewolf by Night is coming. You know, like that. And I was like, oh, if you're doing this, okay. I'm, I'm down for you to like experiment with that a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Um, You know, they gave a Secret Invasion trailer, which seemed fine. We all knew. Our, it's a thing like we all knew a lot of stuff was just coming. And right, this so no got, big reveals, just a lot of updates. Not really, yeah. I think the coolest thing is we finally saw the confirmation of Thunderbolts, and there was a piece of art that shows the Thunderbolts team, and they brought out some of the cast members, a big chunk of them. Um, and that's cool. Like, I'm down for Thunderbolts. I always like it when it's you get the morally 
you know, gray or the bad guys for to do good things. You know, it's mm. always fun. Um, is, that, is that why, um, is, is that what Werewolf by Night is about? I actually don't know. No, Thunderbolts is the, basically is in Marvel, it's villains. Thunderbolts is Marvel's version of Suicide Squad. Gotcha. Gotcha. I thought you were saying Thunderbolts was something that you were going to, we were going to see in the Werewolf by Night thing. No, no, I'm sorry. No, I, I jumped around there. No, Werewolf by Night is just exactly what it sounds like. It's one of Marvel's horror titles. Um, I think the one thing that like really made everyone kind of explode and it wasn't even an intentional moment <laughs> was when uh, Kei Hui Kwan posed with Harrison Ford and like the internet melted. So cute. It was so wonderful because he's in season two of Loki, bigger part. Um, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me being fan hopeful, but I'm like, man, if he has a cameo in Indiana Jones five, you're going to be able to get away with a lot of mediocre storytelling. If you hit me with <laughs> an adult short round, seeing Dr. Jones and being like, how's it going old man? Not Christian bad was kid. saying the same thing that it should be like a, uh, like forget this whole weird, like retcon you know, secret son that we did, we never knew about uh, in all these other movies. Um, it should just be a passing of the torch from Indiana Jones to short round. Yeah. That's like one last romp that culminates in it's up to you now, kid. Now you're the Indiana Jones. That's it. Like that's all anyone movie. ever wanted. No one gave a crap about mutt. No. <sighs> a lot of people or... like will refuse to acknowledge that movie at all. It's so bad. It's just awful. I hope Five has better writing. I think with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I think helping out with the script in addition to starring in it, that will help a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, if he just, the end of the movie, he just hands, um, just hands him the hat and says, it's your turn, kid. I'm done. And I just end it with like him putting on the hat, winking and being like, Okay, Dr. Indy. But like not doing it like with an act, like just acknowledge their past of like how they used to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God. No, you end it with them playing poker. <laughs> you cheat. Yeah. End it uh, with them playing poker. And uh, Indiana Jones is still trying to cheat him. Well, and if, if, you know, if Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, is involved, you know there's going to be a lot of good, funny moments. She's Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, but I feel like that was the biggest highlight from D23 was like a behind-the-scenes shot of those two, like legitimately looking happy to see each other again. That was cool. Yeah. I'm curious what Harrison Ford was doing there. Oh, they showed scenes from Indiana Jones 5. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge were there. And they showed a few scenes and stuff. Um, I kind of feel like this one's going to be good because Harrison Ford, one thing he's really bad at is not hiding his disdain for a bad script after he shot a movie. He didn't talk very positively about Crystal Skull during promos. And in this one, he is. Like, he's legit being like, the story's great. And he's even saying, like, it's better because Phoebe Waller, she got involved. Um, Yeah. He actually seems proud of this one. You know, it's like when you saw him do promos for The Force Awakens, there was a lot of, like, what brought you back? He's like, "Mm, money. (laughs) I only did it if they promised to kill me off. Yeah. But, like. That was a pretty good Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, Norm from your lips. Actually, no, I, I kind of hated Willie. He says that the last person to show oh. up at the, at the table uh, would be Willie Scott and then fade to credits. No, I always feel like Willie Scott, once she got away from him, wanted nothing to do with him ever, ever again. Probably. Like they probably had, like, you know, like hot and fast and then. Then, then never again. Yeah, then never again. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to have Sala come back to the table. 
Yeah, Sala. John Rhys Davies. He died, but if I can't. No, tell he you didn't when die. Happened, then obviously not. No, he didn't die. Um, what's his name? Died. Um, Marcus from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade. That actor passed away. Oh no no! I, I meant the character. Oh no no! Sala. No, still... if I can't picture a scene, then it must not have happened. No, he's still out there. Yeah, he would be. He would be great. I would enjoy that comeback for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it. I think a lot of announcements about changes at the parks, but we don't really cover that kind of stuff, you know, but again, like there was no real surprises at D23. It was like everything we expected, you know, I think people were hoping for maybe like a quick glimpse at like fantastic four. Like, no, you're not. That's that damn thing's at least four years away as it is. Like, you're not going to see it now. You know, so you're not even going to see, you're not even going to see like artwork for it yet. <laughs> like, just stop, stop holding your breath on that one. <laughs> you're going to get it, but it's not going to be like surprise. So, and yes, Cable said John Reese Davies should definitely come back. Absolutely. Yeah, the Star Wars skeleton crew. I'm trying to say like there wasn't anything like unexpected. These are all kind of things we know about. Um, well, any, any last thoughts? I mean, that's it. You know, now that we've alienated the one local show, you know. <laughs> they don't give a shit about us. No, 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 obviously. <laughs> no. Um, well, yeah, I guess with that, we'll be back. Uh, uh, Cable said, I thought that was unexpected. Um I didn't think it was because it was announced at it was announced like six months ago already. Like Kevin, not Kevin Feige. Um, what's his name? Cowboy hat guy. Oh my gosh. Uh. Um. Feloni. Sheesh. <laughs> he's well, he's mentioned this. he's mentioned it a few times. Um. So yeah, Skeleton Crew sounds good. You know, kids lost in space in a ship in Star Wars. Not at all like Prodigy. Kids lost in space, but Star Trek. Um, (laughs) Hey, I guess what's good for the goose is good for the gander since Star Trek Prodigy has General Grievous in it as a bad guy. So, you know, whatever. It's a trade-off. Sorry, couldn't help it. Well, we'll be back next week. Let me double-check our calendar. I don't know if we have a guest next week. I think we have a pending guest, maybe? Woohoo! Am I looking at the right week? Be the twentieth. Uh, we may have a pending Lovecraft, so we that's will find out. So we'll be all back next week, and maybe someone else. Ooh, I don't know why that's scary, but I mean, assuming medical stuff doesn't take you out now, uh, like it's just, it, it's just, it's just, it's just rotating through us one at a time, which is kind of nice. Would be of my it. turn, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Balls. Oh, balls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so everyone protect uh, Denise at all cost. Quick, get me a bubble. Yeah. Cable said Gwen should be on soon. Yeah, we'll we'll figure all that out for sure. Off air. Yes. Well, with that being said, I'm Aaron Duran in a neck I'm brace. Being a Rita. In a oh, in a back brace. Look at us. We're olds. Oh man. Together we support one full human. <laughs> Cable should be back next week, also. Uh yeah. Bye, nerds. Have fun. Watch Still out for pain. It's huge. <laughs>